Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When it's time to party, we will party hard. So this show, as Tony just mentioned, is called Life in the Stocks, and I think you're the perfect guest for it, really, because it's about life. What we've just spoke about downstairs for Scuzz was a lot more centered around the writing and the recording of the new album. With this, I just want to free flow and, right. and go off piste, okay. if you're up for that, and fill, yes, in, fill in some of the gaps as well. So am I right in thinking that you grew up in the home of the Stooges, Ann Arbor, Michigan? Is that correct? Yes. Uh, well, long after, long they, after of they were... I guess uh, that their their well their their main era there, but yeah, uh, I was born actually in uh, California, in a town called Stanford, and then moved uh, with my family at age four to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Because my dad was a professor. What he, did he lecture in? Well, he taught uh, teaches. Well, he just retired, semi-retired, uh, but law. So he was teaching uh, in a couple of universities, in, including UCLA, and then um, he himself had grown up in the Midwest, right. in Wisconsin, lived in North Dakota. And I think he, like many parents, seem to uh, be inclined to give their children a similar childhood. Return to the roots. Yeah, and he missed were. the seasons. I mean, I really understand that. So we Yeah, because California is crazy, isn't it, like that? There's no change in there, weather. Really. I mean, it's subtle. If, if, you, if you really, really look closely, you can notice a slight change in the f- smells in the air, but you don't get those strong, strong, sharp edges of seasonal change like in the Midwest. 
Are you affected by the seasons? Are you somebody whose mood in is good way, altered yeah. and inspired by the changing of the season? Absolutely. I, I mean, I like especially fall and winter. So, and that's actually one of the things I like about England is I like overcast skies in general. Sunny days, it's not, I don't relate to it as much. It doesn't mean I can't appreciate it. And even to my delight, I finally now have made friends with the spring. I used to really resent spring. I sort of felt like it was, maybe it was nature's rebirth, but humanity's death. Okay, because I was going to say, I thought the very nature of spring and starting again would be something that spoke to you. Oh, I just can't stand the feeling of it, though. I don't know exactly why. Um, I was born in the spring, in, in May, but that this that it, spring is like the sunrise, and uh, I, I've always been really drawn to the sunset, which I think is like fall, and the night, which is winter. And there's something about in my opinion, the creative spirit, the imagination that emerges in shadow, in nighttime, in, in, in that darker period, which isn't necessarily dark in a negative sense. So spring and summer is very bright and you see everything and, and it's sort of almost information overload and it's hot. I'm not a big fan of, of hot weather either. But in the fall and winter, you can go inward. You have to stay indoors. You bundle up. There's layers and you can go, you can become more introspective in a way and get in touch, of course, with your imagination and the, the darkness, the shadow is where you have to fill in the blanks. You have to imagine what's lurking in the corner that you can't see. So your, your mind can get carried away with itself in a, in a good way. How was your childhood, Andrew? Were you close to your parents growing up? Were you yes. um, what you might call a studious child as you had a father who was, of course, an academic? Did that rub off on you? Did you enjoy education? Uh, yeah, I suppose not. Maybe not in a really profound way, but I liked school for the most part. It was not a tormented child, but at least in terms of school. And there were intense times at home. It's only even dawning on me now that maybe it was more traumatic than I ever realized. But my parents managed to stay together, which I'm quite thankful for. So they would argue and fight, would they? To some extent, but it's difficult for me to say if it was more or less than any other married couple. I think my dad's quite intense guy, and I relate to him a lot, although his intensity was tempered by my mother's sort of inverted version of intensity, which is incredibly caring and resilient. And I think I, my brother and I have both benefited from that balance that they provided. They both have great qualities, even in their intense versions of those qualities. But I would never, it would be completely unfair for me to say it was a, a, a bad childhood and even the, the challenges of it were ultimately rewarding. I was, so I was very lucky and I was never doubted, even in the, the, the most uh, the times of the greatest turmoil, I never doubted that my parents loved me um, and cared about, about my brother and cared about me. And, and that's, I think, the most important thing that you, you're looking for. I think that's a very privileged position to be in and it oh, should yeah. never be taken for granted. My parents Definitely. split up when I was fairly young and there's a lot of stuff going on in the household and over many years there was a lot of drama and fighting. But in the same way, I never lacked for love or encouragement or support. Well, and yeah. I'm so grateful to that because that can fuck people up for their whole life, can't it? If they don't oh, get that nurture and that care. Absolutely. And it stays with you, doesn't it? It does. And it, it leaves it, you bitter. And It's hard to overcome that deficit. It's not to say it's impossible. And certainly 
developing an awareness of whatever shortcomings you were uh, sort of found yourself dealt by or your parents' shortcomings, that can help you 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 make up for that. But it's it's talk about a challenge because that's how you're building your 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 identity and being given the tools to craft a place for yourself in the world and your relationship towards other humans everything everything so i i I, it it, it's that kind of heartbreaking feeling when you realize that uh, a lot of folks don't have that as good and you don't know exactly what to do about that good fortune you have except just to try to acknowledge it have as much compassion as you can for others that have not gotten that and try to put the the benefits that you've wound up with to good use. It's like, a, it's an obligation, I think. It's a good kind of pressure to be under. You have to make the most of this. If you got, if, if you got it, if it happened the right way to you, that's, that's not just good luck. It's, it's your duty to then put it to good use in the world, ideally. Amen. Yeah. Were you close with your brother? Were you two like thick as thieves as kids? Well, are I've you heard similar? Are you different? Similar in some ways and different in others. It's four and a half year age difference. Older. Younger. Yeah. So he's younger. my younger brother. And I, I was not the, I was a challenging older brother to have in many regards. But when I hear some people's story about their, the relationship with their brothers, I mean, there was not a lot of, I did, I would, I would never punch, but I would hit, if that makes any sense. So I would swing a closed hand on a fixed, locked elbow arm towards the back or something, but never a fist punching towards a nose. I don't think there was ever blood in any of the fights, and I would never really even call them fights. Um, An element of tormenting, perhaps. There was a lot of torment. And I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I think that's part of being the big brother. I <laughs> had a little guess. sister who's seven years younger than me. And we used to ruck all the time. Obviously never hurt her because she was a tiny girl. But we used to fight all the time. And I would torment her. I think that's just, Oof. it's a brotherly duty well, to, he, to test and strengthen the younger sibling, isn't it? <laughs> I, I mean, that's the nice way for to think. So, yeah, it was all for your own good. <laughs> and perhaps it is because he, the quality, he, he's more evolved than than I am, um, and I part of me would say he naturally was born that way, but yeah, maybe I I beat it into him um, a kind of emotional maturity and social development that uh, I don't feel I have uh, personally, you know, or it seems way far off, and it could be his temperament. I I don't want to say that he didn't work at it either, though. I think he did develop these these qualities so he's someone i also look up to and admire and i oftentimes think about what would he do in a situation and how how would he feel about it and he's quite selfless um and noble in the way he takes on responsibilities and, and applies himself to uh the challenges that face him that they would face anybody and you wonder about that. I mean, he, he in some ways he reminds me more of my my dad. He's he's sort of closer to my dad in many ways. He he's a professional golf golfer. Wow. Which yeah, it, it, talk about the UK. I mean, golf is uh, was invented somewhere in these parts, right? Scotland, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's, that's right. So uh, he's always been an athlete. And while we both were encouraged to engage in athletics, and I enjoyed aspects of those pursuits, 
he resonated with it in a very deep way, maybe the way I resonated to music. But he's also good at music. He was naturally a good piano player, fantastic at saxophone, although he would tend to discount his own abilities there. Um, but he's done very well, and, and he, he played in the U.S. Open uh, a couple years ago, and now he's the, a coach at the University of Michigan for their golf team. So it's been quite fulfilling to see him develop those skills and, and, and have these dreams turn into, uh, I guess, uh, a potential lifelong pursuit or, or kind of achievement. I, I, it's, 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 so, it's hard for me to relate to in one way, um, but you can always try to find, I, I, I connect to him on the pressure of something like golf. It's actually even higher pressure. Sort of like if you were a concert, if I imagine if I was a concert pianist, that's kind of what I thought it would be like to tee up at the U.S. Open. So you have to go out and play in front of, well, for that, millions of people watching. And it's such a delicate, you can't use brute force. With rock music, if I have my band with me especially, I can really be carried along by this team effort, even the audience itself. But you're so exposed as a, for example, again, a concert pianist, and every error is amplified in that exposure. And with golf, those minute variations of, of hand position and attitude and in and, and, and your mind, it's a mental game. It's like chess, but with a physicality that chess doesn't possess. So I really admire how he's been able to develop the, these, these, these skills. And I think those, as you hope with all your pursuits, that what you develop in the work or in the craft or in the task or in the art applies to your personal life and develops your character too. Patience, calm, perseverance. But I think we're quite different. What would you say then, off the back of that, what characteristics and qualities have been instilled in you over the course of your career and what you do as a, a performer, an entertainer? A, uh, or is it hard for you to analyze yourself in that way? Or is it just not something you do? Well, I, I, I guess I was thinking what, what qualities. I was thinking about what shortcomings because I have so many. Those seem those are the ones I'm wrestling. Too hard on with. yourself, Andrew. <laughs> well, I guess who you... else is going to be hard on? I, I always thought that's what that's how you get better. Self improvement. Yeah, you got to be really, really vicious with yourself. Not right up to the line where it's detrimental. Yep. And 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 you can keep pushing that line. And sometimes I yeah I go over that line, and I would discourage myself, but when you care very deeply about what you're doing, almost as a matter of principle, yep. almost sort of past reason or rationality, it's just, it, it gives meaning to life to care about something that deeply, just like you could care about a person and that gives you a, a kind of purpose. If you don't care about anything, then why bother doing anything, right? Then you just can rest. Want All you want to do is rest all day or just seek sort of uh, what you might call empty pleasures, but it's those painful pleasures that are the most rewarding and a lot of that pain is from realizing your own uh, failure and trying to improve you know improve at, at, at the tasks that you're that you're in, that are entrusted to you so again I think that's kind of there's, there's this feeling of responsibility that I have these chances and I can't blow it I got to do the best I can and and just sort of for the sake of it because if I think through to the end results well, when will I feel satisfied obviously you know there's never really a point and that's that's its own satisfaction is never be that it's not about being satisfied it's about applying all that you have to what you're doing 
I guess uh, you can do that beyond your work. You can do that with everything. But sometimes it's the best of you is a very quiet, gentle kind of energy. And sometimes the best of you is a really vicious, intense, brutal, pounding energy. And sometimes it's pulling back and sometimes it's pushing forward. I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very driven and, and part of that, that drive is probably quite self-centered or even narcissistic, but you try to use the, the negative incarnations of something like that drive and turn it into something that is serving a higher, uh, more noble purpose. So it's not, so being self-involved can have a positive end if you use the energy that it generates to do something good. So a lot of what I've done has started from feeling awful and feeling really, you know, spite, like a hateful feelings uh, uh, towards everything and nothing. And it's really just raw energy. And uh, it's, it's just like when you want to lash out and run through a brick wall out of just fury. Well, that's a lot of power. That's a lot of physical wound up electric ability. And if you direct it towards something positive, you can you can go a long way. Would you say you were like an angry child? Did you have anger in you as a kid, or did that come more with teenage years, adult life, and your exposure to the world? I mean, I didn't think of it as being angry. I mean, I don't know. My mom. I would ask my mom these questions, trying to figure out figure out what to do about these some of these feelings, and she said it was just a very, very intense, you know, everything was intense. That's, that's still how it feels. Just could never feel at ease. Um, still don't. And now I've just accepted that's just how it's going to be. And, uh, maybe I'm not meant to overcome that or, or change that feeling. I just have to accept it. And once you accept it, it kind of does go away in a weird way. Once you stop fighting against it, just felt like that something was wrong in general, wrong with this at, uneasiness, uh, a disconcerted sense of myself and surroundings. And I wouldn't even call it as much as anxiety, just an unnerving texture and continuous tone underlying all, nearly all experiences, especially when you engage in what we call like going out into the world. So a shyness, but a lot of these things also in a, in a, almost sort of surprising or contradictory way, do point back to a kind of self-involvement and a, and a, and a, and a self-centeredness um, that everything mattered more than I probably... I thought things mattered more than they did. I thought things were more less... <laughs> I thought things were more important, especially when they concerned me and how I felt and what someone thought about me and how I thought about something. It all seemed so high stakes, but as a young man, yeah, and to, yeah. And, and to this day too. But you start to see through it. The feeling is still there. But as you get older, you just realize that it's just a sensation. It doesn't really necessarily connect to anything tangible or, or important. Did you ever at any point, or do you, I guess, seek help in the form of either therapy, or, or did you just decide early on you wanted to try and work out those feelings through your art and through music and go it alone, as it were? Well, I did realize that there were a few things in the world that I liked that changed those feelings that didn't make them go away, but 
the feeling was still there, but it doesn't didn't feel bad. It's like okay, so it's a really intense feeling, but now it's a really intense good feeling. Um, and that was music and piano, and that was so early on. So I was very lucky to find that very early, you know, age four or five, taking those piano lessons. I did. It did change everything, but it was so early that there wasn't too much that was established before it was changed. Yeah. I don't really remember very much before four. So I was, I was very fortunate to have that uh, by my side, pretty much out of the gate, and uh, and then the exercise. Even though I didn't like sports that much, I knew that I felt better after I did something like that. Sometimes I would just think it was I felt better because I was relieved that the game was done or that the practice was done or that that exertion was over. But then I could start to see beyond that and say, no, it was was something about getting that energy out that actually made me think better and made my mind feel better and made my soul operate at a, a, a higher level. So and those I've I've stayed with those over the years. And uh, they've seen me through it, but it never occurred to me that I could make a life's work out of music. It just sort of was like food. It was something I just you just accepted was going to be part of life either way in order to survive. It's really interesting because because you have so many other things going on alongside the music. I mean, you've created it's more than a career. Like obviously, you get to exist off it, and that by its definition makes well, it a hopefully. career. Yeah, but um, in the best times, you just <laughs> off of it. But you seem to have gone above the the usual level that a musician would perhaps even not try to go, but have the chance to go. And you seem to have. I would liken you to like a philosopher of sorts. Well, that's very generous. Um, I mean, out of respect for classical philosophy, or at least scholarly pursuits in general i certainly don't have that pedigree or that training or or even those aspirations but like a lot of folks i like thinking about things and that in itself is quite therapeutic absolutely um and and realizing that there's sort of no limit to it but it does feel better it's the world is very interesting and it seems like it wants you to think about it so it's inviting you with these uh, enticing riddles to explore. And somehow it takes the pressure off in a beautiful way and kind of ups the ante in another way. It makes life seem more important and more amazing and also more mysterious, not in a, a purely absurd sense, but in a kind of humbling, impenetrable sense. That the more you ponder it, the less you realize you can never fully grasp it and yet you're in the midst of it you know whether you like it or not have you given the matter of the meaning of life and why we're here much thought do you try to make sense and unravel that and if you do what have you sort of come to as a conclusion or as a a hypothesis because it is a trip isn't it it's the biggest it's the trip of all trips with the biggest questions there's no there's no way to to hide from them. So you can fool yourself into thinking that you're not thinking about it or that you don't want to think about it or you're, you're going to ignore those. But you're facing it 
at all times and you're making decisions about your interaction with those questions such as why are we here and what's the purpose of life is there a meaning to life even choosing to seemingly not engage with it is still a way of engaging with it so at some point you just kind of break down and and turn yourself over to it maybe not to get any answers but just to stay up close in in the in the questioning of it uh What's quite exciting, of course, is that for thousands and thousands of years, the greatest humans have more or less entirely devoted themselves to these questions and have a lot of interesting thoughts on them. And those that are so bold as to say they had it all figured out um, are quite inspiring, even if the answer isn't the answer for you or for me just that they had the courage to, to dive in and to, 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 to see that there are people that really put a lot of careful and uh, highly developed work into this idea of what it is to be alive. What is this thing that's going on that's happening to me and to other people? And they thought a lot about life and everything else that life can consist of was almost there just to serve the purpose of trying to figure out what it was. So all these other pursuits were secondary, such as you know a career, making money, food, even family, were all there as almost a tribute to trying to do right by this 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 event, this miracle that's that's taking place, and 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 almost every point of view has some validity and, and, they, and of course they all have validity but they all seem to to ring true in a consistent way with one another there's, there's a common thread of integrity uh, even in the most radical uh, ways of looking at the question of, of, of what is the purpose of life and that in itself seems to point towards some kind of fundamental truth I don't know if we can ever really grasp it um, in, what, in the way we would like to think of it as there is this one answer and we're, we, can get at, we can get at it. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that we couldn't conceive of it, but it seems like it's, it's designed to be just out of reach for some reason, to keep yeah. us striving towards it, something like that. Do you think, I mean, there's the great Bowie lyric that knowledge comes in death's release. Do you ever think, because you're so engaged in the experience of life, do you give death much thought? As much as is possible, it's, 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 it's the definition of the unknown. I mean, that is all other fears, all other mysteries, all other anxieties we have about unknown aspects of this world are just reflections or shadows of the ultimate unknown, which is that moment of entering into whatever death actually is, even if it's a kind of nothingness. We just have no idea. I mean, we really don't, and that's what's so terrifying about it. Even if we had just a, a little bit of a sense, I mean, and people and people like to feel quite confident that oh, well, it's just everything stops and that's it. But we just don't, we don't really know. Do you think everything just stops? I just think that there's so much energy and power in the universe that when the lights go out in life, that can't just be it. I just don't I know. Don't. I I like imagining. I, and sometimes, like you said. I imagine that 
all of a sudden everything makes sense in this way that is on one hand completely mind-shatteringly new and at the same hand same time completely familiar sort of like oh of course yeah of yeah course like it was right in front it, of us the yeah, whole time oh, yeah yeah that's kind of what it, i like the idea that it's like that and there's this incredible understanding like a, a depth of understanding that can't even can't be expressed an understanding that's so deep that it's physical that you feel this physical understanding that's what i imagine christ is it's this love that transcends love into this realm. If you were to look into the eyes of Jesus and have him hug you, it would be this, this kind of understanding that was just, that everything all made sense and always had made sense. And the things that made the least sense made the most sense now because of this incredible understanding, this rightness, this, 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 this order that had always been there. Um, and those are things we can fantasize about, but it's hard not to, you know, you slip back up into this intellectual interpretation. But every now and then you get these physical glimpses of clarity where you actually feel it. And that's, that's when it gets really powerful. That's sort of what music is. Music is taking these ideas and turning them into something uh, tangible, something in the body and not just in the mind. I think as someone who has a very confident grasp and control and command of the english language you must find it fascinating as a musician and a performer to sometimes find yourself expressing feelings thoughts in music that you couldn't even find the words for even someone with your quite well, you know big vocabulary that's quite generous and uh is I, that a sensation you experience often through well, yeah, music is like this that's gives the goal there's all i can say is there's a certain feeling that's inside of me and that I'm also looking for that music is able to to make real to make audible to make tangible and if it wasn't because if, it, if the music wasn't there uh, it would just stay in this elusive spot it, it, it pulls it out from all these disparate locations in me and others in, in floating around and, and centralizes it for that brief moment in that chord change or in that melody, it crystallizes it and it allows you to, 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 to hold onto it and say, it really is a thing. And then you can listen to it again and it feels like that again. It doesn't slip away. That's what's so incredible. You can listen to the same song for 40 years and it can even increase in its ability to, to bring that special certain feeling out. And people could might say it's, Oh, it's a happy feeling or it's this catchy feeling. And, the truth is it's it's sort of all feeling combined it 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 transcends feeling as we would dilute it into categories of mood or even emotion um it's just raw emotion because what is even emotion except these this feeling a feeling that's so powerful and and, and so compelling that it can dictate an entire path in life or an entire series of decisions so those are powerful forces. You know, they're not just inklings and, and thoughts passing through our head. They're they're coming from some much more fundamental place. I don't even want to say deeper because sometimes they feel like they're coming from above you, you know, or from outside of you. But they can prompt someone to alter the entire course of their their journey. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This album that you're about to put out has come into my life at a really interesting point because... Last year, I broke up with a girl I'd been with for three years, and mm. it was a very heavy time in my life, and I, I ran away from a lot of the pain, as many people have traditionally done and will continue to do with alcohol and drugs, and you know, you're, you're, you can't face that heartache. Understandably so. so, so. You, yeah. you run away, and over the last six weeks or so, I've been learning to embrace, and then through the embracement of it, come to terms with it and move forward, and... The album that you're about to put out is obviously all about that. We spoke about it downstairs. It's about someone's hoovering outside now, right when I'm opening my heart to Andrew. Um, <laughs> and it is about that very notion, isn't it? And I guess you're a, a firm believer in that fact that life is not always elevated and jovial and easy, but it's not about denying the, the difficulties and the, the hardships. It's about just actually looking them and... Yeah, staring them down and... And for me, looking at them as a test, sort of, okay, well, let's see what you're really made of now. You know, you were doing fine when everything was going your way. Let's see how you do when things aren't going your way. Because that's when you really see what you're made of, of course. And that, and if with a very sort of advanced and almost detached perspective, can I look at this pain that was either inflicted upon me or that I caused or whatever, or just bad luck, however we want to call it, can I look at this as an opportunity, as, as life calling out to me and challenging me, not to bother me, not to irritate me, not to inconvenience me, not to thwart my precious little plans for that month or that week or that, that year, but to see if I have the strength and the integrity to actually still be worthy of having the title human being. And uh, most of the time, you know, I would fail at those tests or, 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 or have moments of failure within it and then try again to, 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 to rise up. But just shifting the perspective as, uh, and looking at those things as, as, as tests to see if we can sort of like graduate, like you would take a test in school and then you get to say, okay, now you can move on to the next chapter. You've developed a new skill. You've proven yourself to your own life. But that's, it is obviously easier said than done. Um, it's not supposed to be, 
It's a very cathartic experience, though, isn't it? When you build up the courage to actually confront it and deal with it, and you get through it, the reward is it's powerful, isn't it? And it's yes. inspiring. The reward is manifold because also then you remember the next time that feeling comes along, you think, oh, wait a minute. I remember last time I faced something, maybe not this, but something that I thought at the time was the end of everything. And not only did I get through it, but I was better from it. I mean, that's what's so strange is how can the worst thing that happened to us be the best thing that happened to us? And, and, and anyone you talk to, it seems like, and I can say from my own experiences, some of the worst days in my life were also the best day because of what came out of it. It doesn't make sense. I mean, that, that's the way our mind prefers to work. Things shouldn't work like that. That's not how it's supposed to go. Only good things are supposed to equal good outcomes. Yeah. Only bad things are supposed to lead to bad things. But for better or worse, it's not that simple. It all can be useful and ideally force us to grow. I mean, and some would say, if there is a, a, to go back to your earlier question, if there is a meaning to life or a purpose to life, it's to develop these skills. And I mean, they've, people have been saying that since the very beginning, that that's what we're here to do. We're here to pass these tests and to not act like idiots, you know, the whole time. And not be afraid to make mistakes and take chances. Yeah. Right? And learn from when you fall down. I, I, absolutely. How to pick yourself up. Yeah. Because you can't, I don't think, improve or grow if you don't fuck up. I'm not saying anyone should go out there and consciously make mistakes and be a, you know, a bad person. They'll happen No matter what you try to do, they will happen. You know, It seems that almost actually the more you try to play it safe, the more the lessons will find a way to reach you. And, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes we'll up the ante to get through and, 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 and rattle you. So you, you have to reach that next step. I mean, there's no amount of sheltering we'll all face tragedy i mean it's it's I, I, there's a line that you say right in now. one of the interludes on the album to that effect isn't it we will all face tragedy at some point in our i life, guess something, something like that yeah i i, I it's very out. true it rings do, do you have to i was speaking to your manager pete downstairs and he was saying that well and we were saying as well in the interview previously that it's difficult sometimes to be vulnerable and exposed for everyone to hear isn't it yeah i don't know i mean Sometimes I think, oh, it's, it, I totally don't have those reservations. And then other times, it's usually for these aesthetic reasons. The, it's kind of um, the texture or timbre or color of different kind of creative choices that I right. feel uneasy about. For example, I, I had thought already about doing a whole album of motivational speaking, and that seemed fine. But putting it in with the other songs, part of me felt... Just didn't know, and I have. I'm always trying to limit the ability of my own reservations, my own personal self, uh, to limit that side of me um, and its ability to interfere with what I'm supposed to do. You know, and it's hard to know because you, you're trying to listen to all these instincts, and some of those instincts are telling you to do something, and then some of those instincts are telling you to not do that same thing, and you have to say, well, which are the right instincts here? <laughs> But it's usually clear which ones, which ones are. They're just a little bit more pointed in their, their urging. And uh, 
you get better at, at, at listening to those ones. It's what's strange is the, the one I usually follow that's the, the right one, it will never explain why I'm supposed to do it. The, the, the wrong instincts will always have a million reasons why I shouldn't do this, and they'll always be very detailed in explaining, this is why it's not a good idea, and here's why, and here's why. So almost as though if someone asked me why I don't want to do it, I could explain to them. And if someone asks you, well, why do you want to do this thing because the instinct told me to do it, I'll say, I don't know. I can't explain it, but I just, this is what it's supposed to be. I think that goes for songwriting as well, is you never sometimes know this hit that you've written is going to be the hit that it is because it's impossible to tell sometimes, right? I mean, did you ever imagine in a million years that Party Hard would be the song that it's come to be, like an era-defining well, anthem for so many people? For, for, for some, some folks, if they have that feeling about it, I mean, did you know you had a good tune on your hands? Well, enough to 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 be motivated to make it and yeah. record it and 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 put it out. And I was quite adamant that that it should be the first single. And there was a bit of debate about that with the record label. Not to they were still very encouraging. They just wanted to do what whatever they thought was right. And um, you know, you almost go into kind of an altered state because you're you're following. Uh, you're you're following something that really has very little to do with how you operate in the world in other situations, you know, day to day, completing the tasks of of sort of mundane life. You're not calling upon that feeling as often, and you're not looking for it to guide you. That's when you are in control of whether to make the bed or not, and and what time you want to take a shower, and maybe you're skipping a shower that day, as I often do. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> what do you want to? order for you know lunch and, and and so on but you do kind of turn off that part of yourself when you go into this creative mode and if you're working on something as perhaps long as a as an album or for some people making a movie you can stay in that state for years and let it carry you in into all sorts of strange territories and you don't really know what's going on and you don't know what the result is going to be except that you feel very sure that you're supposed to do this thing yeah. And then if people do respond to it, that's the added bonus. Did you go off the rails at all when you found a bit of success and fame off the back of that? Did you experiment and overindulge with? Not at that point, no. No? No, because it was, it, it was so overwhelming and intense. Although I didn't feel overwhelming at the time. Looking back, I can tell I was overwhelmed, but quite f- focused and concentrated. I felt like I didn't want to mess up. That's really what it was. Um, and it wasn't hard. For, it didn't take a type of resistance, really. I just, I wanted so, I felt so uh, obligated. I felt like I was hired by this power to work for it. And I didn't want to get fired. So even then you had that sense that there's destiny at work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because of how that all came together it was so unlikely and so bizarre and had so little to do with, with me. Um, and so was it Island who put out the album? Yeah, Island, and, and here in the UK it was Mercury. And how did Island, how did you get on their radar, and what was their enticement towards you? Do you know, did they give you any feedback? Like, was it the live show? Was it a specific song? Was it your general attitude and demeanor on stage? Was it what you were writing about? Do you know what the, the hook was? Well, I've seen things that people have said over the years. We didn't talk about it a lot at the time. The first things they had heard were some of the early recordings, some of the versions of the same songs that then were released, not even, they were the actual recordings, just not done yet. 
so party hard in an earlier state before more instruments were added to it and before it sounded better um and they the main a and r gentleman who signed me to the contract a man named lewis largent he did see one very crude performance before i had a band a solo show which i've actually even continued to do up until recently that style um was that you and a keyboard yeah yeah i don't even yeah i think i had a keyboard it was quite haphazard the way i played at that point but i don't to be honest i don't know what he saw maybe he was being pulled by that same feeling that i was feeling i mean that's probably what it was he might interpret it differently he might not describe it that way but I don't know if there was a lot of what you'd call common sense or rational thought in his decision-making because plenty of people thought he was crazy. Um, and maybe he was. <laughs> um, can we talk about, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's cool. I don't know how often you get asked about it. The, the kind of years where the, you know, the controversy and the lawsuits and all of that confusion, really. Like, mm. what happened there? Who were the people that came after you? Why did they come after you? Well, first, I would say that I don't even want to necessarily say of it as they or them because it, it, it never would be accurate to describe the, the, the some of the, the challenges that I faced uh, on the business side of things as, as coming from uh, a place of animosity or, or a kind of antagonistic um, relationship. It was all quite straightforward in a sense. I'm also, I should probably start by saying I'm not permitted. I have to kind of talk about it in a roundabout way. Right. Part of the agreement is to not talk about it in detail. Oh, right, right, right. I've just asked you to do. It just adds to the confusion <laughs> for, for, well, probably for the worse, but I mean, I, I'm also, these are the is kind of things that- Is that frustrating to you? Well, or you accepted a, that a long time ago? I accepted it a long time ago. It, none of it is painful because, uh, I, like many people, try to take complete responsibility for it so that nobody can have power over my situation, even the bad stuff. It would be very nice to blame everybody else. Did you make some uninformed I mean, business decisions early on? I, I wouldn't even say they were uninformed. I made choices. And some of them, I, I was aware that th this could have this repercussion. Um, no one took advantage of me, I should say. It wasn't as though I was tricked into signing bad contracts. Um, I was even encouraged by some of the people to think twice or it doesn't have to be this way. We can do it another way. And I, I was compelled by the same vision of, of how this was supposed to be. It all just seemed very inevitable. So uh, even some of those, those, those difficulties, I don't, I mean, I, I, for example, I, there's no way that this album would have been made in the way that it was had that stuff not happened. So that talks about that these bad things that end up being the best thing that ever happened. There was times in the earlier midst of those uh, ordeals where, when I thought it was the worst thing ever, but now I can look back and say, it's like when you, you know, and I don't mean to use this as an example for you. I was going to say before I thought of it, but there, there were relationships I was in where the girl cheated on me and I thought this was the worst thing ever. But if she hadn't, and I hadn't broken up with her, I never would have met my wife, which was the best thing that ever happened. So, it's again, it's odd how that that works, but you have to have some kind of faith that there's a bigger plan that for some reason you're not privy to about your own life, which 
goes so against the way our, uh, we like to think of things, right? Taking ownership. Yeah, and, our yeah. life is our life, and we decide how it goes. But we know that's not... We barely have enough control over ourselves to, to, to choose thoughts to think or feelings to feel, right? Yeah. We're at the mercy of, of forces we know not of. And uh, you, you hope they have a good plan in mind for you. I think people that are very uh, advanced in faith wholeheartedly believe that the plan is completely benevolent. Who's to say? Who's to say? I guess the one good thing that came out of that whole experience, well, many good things, as you've just mentioned a couple there, but you got to, at that point, spread your wings and explore other avenues of creativity and performance, right? Such as the spoken word tours and the the one-man shows and the happenings. And was it around that time that your relationship with Japan began to blossom and flower as well? Because they obviously were the one country that did put out the album. And it seems like over the years, there's been a kinship between perhaps you and that part of the world. Is that fair? Well, I've been very fortunate to to have a, a, one person in particular, the gentleman named Kimi Kato from Universal. At the time, he worked at Universal. Uh, he worked with me on the very first album, I Get Wet, coming out of there and was always really believed in this. And so he, I think, I'm guessing he saw that I had more time on my hands or more openness or more, there was more flexibility. I mean, that's the one great thing is all of a sudden anything was possible. Well, almost anything was possible. Whereas before only a very few things were possible. So now we had all this room to maneuver and we could do anything. So he would come up with these ideas and I would say, okay, let's do it. And more and more, I just fielded opportunities and offers. Anyone would ask me to do anything. I say, okay, uh, like producing and things like that. Yeah, whatever yeah. it was, I just said yes, and it was kept me very busy. And I got to do things that I never would have dreamed of getting to do. And eventually, it got so wonderful that I couldn't do things that I even wanted to do because there was too many other things that I never would have dreamed of coming my way. And that's a quality problem to have, but it still could become a problem. So I had to wrestle uh, some amount of control back. And, and, and most times when I tried, for example, to record an album during that time or do any recording at all, clearing out time to work on something that was completely what I wanted to do or I thought I should do, it would be thwarted. And some offer would come in that I couldn't refuse or some amazing experience or adventure would take me off uh, away again. And it was painful, but it was I couldn't deny that I was getting to, to, to do these things that, that most people would only dream of getting to do. And I felt almost a sense of obligation to all these other people who would give anything to be able to do this thing that someone just invited me to do, so I better do it. But you can also spend a whole lifetime doing that and not necessarily be very fulfilled. Um, I don't know. I don't know how these things happen or don't happen or why an album happened now after the, all these years and didn't happen earlier. Um, I find it a bit stressful to think about and I just want to do what I'm supposed to do kind of, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think there is still uh, some bad feelings I have about, about the, about everything, about how, how this kind of life is approached and how I'm supposed to approach it and what's the most responsible way. 
and uh, I don't really know. You know, there's a lot of confu- I still am very confused about a lot of stuff. I suppose. Do you mean that specifically in regards to your career or yeah, life? Because I don't like thinking of. I really don't like thinking of it as different activities. And there was this time when I did all these things, and I stopped doing those things, and then then I started doing this, and I'm doing such a variety. It, it makes me nauseous. It, it, I want to just do one thing, and that's be Andrew WK. Well, we've just been given the sign. Andrew, I could talk to you all day and I really enjoyed particularly our talk earlier on about this new album as well, which I'll just mention at the end here because obviously we have to talk about this, is just such a a life-affirming and inspiring piece of work. Thank you. And it really is like just the sum total of, I think, all of your work and creative endeavors to date on one CD, vinyl, however people are going to pick it up. You must be incredibly proud. I hope you are. Well, you're making me feel more proud as you describe it that way. I mean, it's 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 at that early stage where I still can't believe that after all this, it's fine. It's actually coming out. You kind of forget that that's you're so excited to get a song done, and then to get the next song done, and then to get the next one, and then the album cover, and then uh, the, all the mixing, and then the music video, and then you realize, well, wait, this has all been for a purpose called release. And then you go out and talk about it for a month or whatever well, yeah. as well, and then then you, that's when you try to figure out what it was you were just doing. Yeah, I guess so, right? So I'm I'm just now confronting the album and getting to hear your uh, very generous and, and complimentary feedback is certainly encouraging. So thank you. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Thank I've you. Enjoyed it thoroughly, and I think you're a uh, a very special guy. Oh, and very kind. I enjoy um, conversing and and hanging out. So likewise, thank you for the very enjoyable conversation. Thanks for a great day, Andrew. Thank you. People say that we're born with a purpose And that we're meant to make our dreams come true But if our dreams start to crumble, they can bury us Gotta dig yourself out and push on through They say that nobody changes But I'm living proof that they do Because I've found the answer And you can find the answer too Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt Now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.